the old farmer's almanac confirmed what I had suspected for a few weeks now, and it is that Thanksgiving is as late as it can possibly be this year, which explains a lot on, on our end. Our calendar has just felt out of, out of whack a bit, and part of that is because it'll go Thanksgiving Day and less than 72 hours later, Advent 1 next Sunday. So we'll experience a little bit of liturgical whiplash. <laughs> on our personal calendar, things have felt great, however. As some of you know, our daughter went away for her first year of college, so she returns this week for one full week of Thanksgiving break, and it's, she just got home over the weekend. It's an absolute delight and so much fun to have her. She's a, a masterful storyteller, and I love hearing all of her stories, although I have a sense that she's not telling me all of her stories. I don't sentimentalize the holidays, however, and for a lot of different reasons. One of them is, is a memory I have from exactly four years ago on the eve of the last presidential primaries. We were home in Alabama, my family of four, and we'd had a, a, just a wonderful, beautiful day. We were with my dad, we were at his farm, we'd ridden horses, we'd enjoyed a a fire, we just had had a, just a perfect day. Couldn't have drawn it up any better. And after a day at the farm, we went to this particular bar that we always go to. Everything was great. Everybody ordered drinks or whatever they needed, and we were getting ready to order. And my father, who is, at his best, a playful provocateur, with everything going just perfectly, out of the blue, said something um, sort of provocative about the political situation and implied something negative about my family's political sympathies. Now, my daughter, who's a great storyteller, she finds the absurd and everything and just loves it. So she just, just reveled in the ensuing debate. My wife um, elevated the conversation but had taken the bait. So she tried to elevate the conversation to a level of political principles that didn't go so well. <laughs> and I just sat there, and, and our son, who's also a teenager, our son is a, a gentle soul, and in just about any situation, he is most aware of the most vulnerable person. So he was patting my back. As I sat there thinking, this is my childhood. This is, this is the entire childhood. This is all of childhood right here. Is my dad saying this to be funny? Or are we supposed to actually listen to one another? Or what's going on here? And what kind of father am I? What do my children experience me as? This is all that was going on within my head and mind as we sat there. So I do not sentimentalize the holidays. And for this reason, I think there's a prayer that we all need to know and pray a lot this week. And it's on, you can look later, it's called the serenity prayer. It's on the, on the front of your insert. Everybody say amen. Isn't that a good thing if you know the serenity prayer? Yes. 
It's a beloved prayer in the recovery movement, a beloved prayer in AA and NA. It was a prayer written by a great theologian and ethicist in New York at Union Seminary. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Oh, it prays for three, yeah. (laughs) It prays for three things, and sometimes we need those three things in spades. Sometimes we just need one of them. Sometimes just a prayer for courage to stand up in the face of injustice is exactly what we need more than anything else. But I wanna focus on the first petition because for some of us, it's the most difficult. It's the prayer for serenity in the face of what we cannot change. Sometimes where God is met is in that place where we let go of our control needs. When we see through that illusion of perfection, that illusion that through effort, goodness, authenticity, kindness, and love, that we can shift a room, a situation, or other people's thoughts and feelings. Looking back on my own life, I can see that my own control needs never deliver on what they promise. And this prayer is about that. And yet it's deeply comforting because it promises that God will meet us in that place of letting go of that illusion of perfection and control as surely as God in Christ meets us in this cathedral and at this altar table. The subjects of, well, one other thing, since you laughed earlier, I've had this liturgical fantasy, and I don't have many of those, but it's that for the next prayer book revision, I want to write a new table grace that goes in the back of the Book of Common Prayer, and it'll be the serenity prayer plus one of the traditional table graces. So when we're with extended family over the holidays, we will pray, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And give us grateful hearts, O God, for this food and all thy mercies, and make us ever mindful of the needs of others. And let the people say? It has a lot of ands in it, but I know it's what we need to pray around extended family. The subjects of control, truth, and memory are embedded in the four gospel accounts of the cross, of the crucifixion of Jesus. Today is the feast of Christ the King, and we always read one of the gospel accounts of the cross, which makes no sense whatsoever until you remember that our Lord reigns from the cross, that is his throne. The subject of control and power is central here, for Rome has total power. And it's symbolized through the power, as it always is, the power to execute. And so Jesus finds himself on one cross between two other criminals. The mind-blowing thing about all four gospel accounts is this interplay between truth and power. There are other interplays. But that one's essential to get. 
For power cannot execute or do away with the truth. Truth actually transcends power. Truth may even be the ground in which authentic and true power is born and grows. So the execution of Jesus does not change the fact of the truth. It does not change the fact of who God is and what God does and what God will do. For truth is always greater than mere power. And that's why the most, one of the most poignant scenes, not the one we read today, is from John's gospel when the Roman governor, Pilate, foreseeing where everything is headed, asks, what is truth? And then promptly leaves the room so that he does not have to encounter or see the answer. Luke's gospel inversion of this story is largely about the role of memory. It's so tender and beautiful. Jesus is in the middle of a conversation with these two criminals. Now, first of all, that might not have historically happened. It's nearly impossible to imagine two people at the point of ex- three people at the point of execution on a cross having a metaphysical conversation. But whether history or imagination, this reading takes us to the very heart of what the cross is about, who Christ is, and our relationship to this event at the role of memory. Incredible line, so often sung and prayed. One of the criminals just says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replies, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The cross doesn't take away God's ability to remember. I often find great comfort in the thought that God's memory is better than ours. God remembers truthfully and powerfully. And one incredible image for the resurrection that I find so enchanting and interesting is that on the other side of death, God will remember us. And as God remembers us, we will find our being full of healing and justice and of love. It's also very comforting to remember that God remembers with us. In other words, we're not alone with our memories. If we invite God into or God's spirit into that holy and courageous act of remembering and sorting through all that we've been through. So on this feast of Christ the King, which might be better titled the Feast of Christ the Truth, let us find great comfort in the awareness that other people, however powerful or wonderful, or not God. And, thankfully, neither are we. Which is just great news. Especially on the eve of the holidays. And as the prayer we'll hear in a moment puts it, in all times and in all seasons. <laughs>